Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. I'm always concerned when I come across brothers and sisters in the faith who honestly believe that because they're theologically ignorant, that somehow that dooms them to secondhand spirituality. Some of them are even afraid to learn. They're afraid that if they begin reading the scriptures for themselves or even the catechism for themselves, uh, that they might become, uh, get off base or somehow become heretical. Look, uh, two bits of advice is what, what I have here. One, if you accept the teaching of the Catholic faith, you won't get very far into heresy. I mean, the teaching of the church will, church will rope you back in. Uh, it's, it's, that, it's really that simple. Uh, you are meant to be learning, right? That is what the word disciple actually means, learner. So you're meant to be learning, uh, both by proposition— and by acquaintance, right? You're supposed to be learning scriptures, learning the catechism. But above all, you're supposed to be learning by becoming more deeply acquainted with the Lord Jesus himself. So first bit of advice. <clears throat> if you're afraid of, uh, you know, learning, that you might end up deceiving yourself and lapse, lapse into heresy, Look, if you accept the teaching of the church, you won't. You'll get pulled back in because the teaching of the church is going to keep you, you know, keep you in the right place. Secondly, heresy is not usually a matter of ignorance. It's a matter of arrogance. It's a matter of believing that you know or have discovered something that contradicts or has escaped all other Christians in the great 2,000-year tradition that we've got. The problem for spiritual growth and development is not ignorance. That can be corrected easily. The problem is arrogance, uh, from which one must repent. I learned a long time ago not to get upset over ignorance, uh, my own or that of others, because ignorance is, frankly, universal. We're all ignorant. It's only about different things. You know, I'm grateful to my dad for many things. Um, I often started working with him on many different projects in improving our home, painting, removing old asphalt shingles, putting in a swimming pool, uh, and I'll confess, I wasn't an eager beaver for any of this stuff. I wasn't a great worker with him. But for all my appreciation for him, I have to say, I don't recall him taking any time to teach me how to do the tasks that he expected me to perform. He'd go about doing the work himself, and I guess I was supposed to somehow pick it up. But I didn't pick it up. I was ignorant. And uh, he'd get very critical and uh, use language that uh, I cannot use on this program. <laughs> so through high school, in my part-time jobs, and then playing in various musical ensembles, I had a similar attitude. And I was terribly impatient with people who didn't do what I told them to do. I'm embarrassed to think about it now, but I, it was like, you know, I, I must have thought that if I said do something, the person was able to read my mind on how to get it done. It wasn't until I got out of college and had a boss who took me under his wing and showed me how various management tasks were accomplished that it dawned on me that people need to be instructed. I mean, it sounds obvious, but it, most, we are all ignorant. We can all stand to learn. And that's when I stopped, for the most part, getting upset over ignorance. I'll say it again. We're all ignorant, just about different things. Instruction is necessary. In fact, when I hear ignorant people, that is, uninstructed people, especially young people, accuse themselves 
and say that they are stupid, my heart just breaks. To be ignorant is not to be stupid. Ignorance, again, is fairly easy to remedy. It's a matter of learning. And this is true in spiritual matters. When St. Paul tells us to increase in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, he's confident that we can overcome our ignorance of Christ by coming to better know him. And so he prays for the Colossians. We have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, to lead a life worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So ignorance is just part of the human condition. Adam and Eve, even if they hadn't fallen, would have been ignorant. They wouldn't have known how to cultivate crops. Okay, They would have had to learn how to cultivate the garden. So if my heart breaks over ignorant people accusing themselves of stupidity, my blood still boils over when I hear arrogance blocking a person's capacity to learn. In my experience, arrogant people tend to be ignorant people. Arrogance becomes their defense of their ignorance. The arrogance keeps them unable to learn from others. They can't be corrected. They have to always be the smartest guy in the room. They have to always appear invincibly in the know, on top of everything, with the, the, the most recent bit of news, whether it's gossip or something more profound. And it's true about many insecure people, whether they're from the poor or lower classes, they use arrogance as a weapon against educational elites. And it's, it's where anti-intellectual prejudice comes from. But it is also very much part of the educated elite. I have been in social situations in which a man with multiple advanced degrees spouts opinions about Bible-believing Christians that is every bit as snide, destructive, and demeaning as any racial epithet. In fact, he often used the F word, fundamentalist. No fun, all damn, no mental. That's what he thought of Christians who actually believed God had revealed himself in the Scriptures. So arrogance is indifferent to class. It happens to the educated and the uneducated. It happens to the rich and the poor, to those who imagine themselves to be spiritual, and to those who consider themselves hardcore atheists. This combination of arrogance and ignorance can be toxic when it is enshrined in a church's statement of beliefs. Well, I was off. I watched this documentary about a, a fellowship called Remnant Fellowship Church in Brentwood, Tennessee. It was started by the weight loss teacher, Gwen Shamblin. She was the driving force behind it. By the way, she was killed in a plane crash last May with other leaders of her church. And I'm hoping that this Christian fellowship will rethink their doctrinal statement, because it is, in fact, a product of ignorance. It stands there on stilts of arrogance, but is profoundly ignorant. Shamblin was educated in the field of nutrition, and I wouldn't challenge her in the field in which she had some certifiable competence. She's often called the pioneer of faith-based weight loss. She offered the best-selling book, The Way Down Diet. Uh, you know, as far as I could see from the documentary, her weight loss is, boils down to obeying God and then losing weight. It, it's kind of interesting. Or if you want to put it more poetically, it's, uh, her, her weight loss consists of uh, saying more of Jesus and so less of me, right? Somehow, she began to baptize her weight loss ideas so that they were no longer a matter of prudential advice. 
but they became revealed norms, standards, that all are obligated to follow. Her weight loss regimen ceased to be advice and started to posture as revelation. This arrogance led to arrogance regarding the historic doctrines of the Christian faith, and she eventually, within a few years, denied the Trinity. Uh, Seriously. Uh, Now, for a few years in the late 70s and early 80s, I was very much involved in counter-cult apologetics. So I did a lot of research. Was uh, Walter Martin, who started the Christian Research Institute, was a friendly acquaintance of mine. We visited together when he came to the Detroit area. And so I did a lot of work studying up on Jehovah's Witnesses, the Way International, the Christadelphians. And I'll tell you, this remnant fellowship has the shabbiest doctrinal statement I've ever seen. Uh, after looking through everything, all these other statements, now, I'm going to read from it because I want you to hear the ignorance masquerading as arrogance. Quote, 300 years past the death of Christ, a council met in Nicaea. And they started developing a totally new concept that was both foreign to the Jews and the early Christians. This man-made creed, now known as the Trinity. Uh, A few things to point out. Any historian will tell you that the whole question of the relationship between the Father and the Son and the Spirit was a raging dispute from the first century right on into the fourth century. This was not a new thing at all. Um. She says at one point, there's no discussion uh, in those early centuries of three persons or three anything. God had never been referred to as a person or a triune being. There was no need for debate, given that this concept never crossed anyone's mind until 325 A.D. Again, ignorance parading is arrogance. In this case, it's to the spiritual destruction of many. Anybody who's read the most basic shorthand version of church history would know that the very reason for the Council of Nicaea was that there was a raging debate about the relationship between the Father and the Son. It was called the Arian Controversy. And it comes down to this. In the New Testament, we see that Christianity is Jewish and believes that God is one. It's monotheistic. And at the same time, in the New Testament, we see that there are three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who are all called divine. They're called God. And furthermore, Jesus, of course, is worshipped as God. He's presented as divine. He exercises divine authority over the institutions of the Sabbath and the law and the covenant. He's called the Word of God, who in fact is God. And we also see that baptism is administered in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so the question was, what's the relationship between uh, these persons? And you find find this as early as Ignatius of Antioch, for instance, one of the very first writers outside of the New Testament. The claim that no one before 325 A.D. even wondered about how to reconcile the three members of the we call the Trinity to the oneness of God, to say that that was never considered shows extraordinary ignorance, and you would only make a statement like that by arrogance, by, because a simple phone call to any competent Protestant pastor or Catholic or Orthodox priest or any seminary, an email to any professor of theology, would tell you you were wrong. You may still reject the doctrine of the Trinity, but you wouldn't say such hapless things about the history of the Church. Ignorance 
is rarely our problem. Arrogance, on the other hand, is. Even Einstein once complained that we're all ignorant, only in different areas. Life itself is mysterious. Authentic Christianity can never be proud or arrogant because authentic Christian faith is always aware of how much deeper we have to go. You know, as St. Paul prayed to the Colossians, we can grow in our understanding of Christ. And that attitude that we're always learning will keep us from arrogance. And if we stay away from arrogance, we won't ever harden our hearts in some type of heresy. I'm Al Creston.